Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Moyer square up and debate a little bit about some things that are on our mind. Now, the first one, Moyer, I'm going to send your way, sir. First question I have for you. Will the Seahawks will will the Seahawks have the same turnaround defensively they had in 2020? Same? Same. Same. No, they won't have the same turnaround, but they don't need to. Uh, look, we were on a historic bad defense last year, and it really was in the passing game. Matter of fact, last year, the first three games, we gave up, I have to flip my thing around, we gave up 1,300 yards after three games. We're at 800 and something today. I mean, that's almost 500 yards difference. So we don't have nearly as far to go. We weren't just 32nd last year. We were like 34th out of 32 teams defensively. It was it was really bad, and we we clawed our way back. We've got to shore up the running game, and we got to get tighter in cover. We don't have to make spectacular change uh, like we did last year. And so I'm going to say no; it won't be the same, um, but we'll be better. Well, I think before it's all said and done, we'll be a top 15 team. And the reason why I'm saying that it's not like I'm confident it's going to change next week. I'm not. It's going to take some time, but there's too much talent on this defense for it not to finish in the top 15. That's what I believe. Well, Moyer, this is how bad it was last year. So Seattle allowed north of 350 passing yards per game in the first nine games and won a record-setting pace. But they had one of the most remarkable midseason turnarounds in NFL history. In the final seven weeks of the season, the Seahawks held their opponents to 197 yards passing and 15 points per game, going 6-1 and one during that stretch, and they only gave up more than 20 points one time. So why don't we go and look at the last seven games of the season and let's just <laughs> go do the exact same thing because we don't have as far to go. But uh, I'm going to say no, it's not going to be the same type of dramatic turnaround. See, and um, I'm going to kind of agree with you because it doesn't have to be the same. There are some things that they need to do. They haven't intercepted a football yet I believe by the third week who they played the Cowboys the third week Ryan Neal I know he had he had an interception against Dak Prescott in the Cowboys they need to do some things differently there needs to be a turnaround the same things can't keep happening and I also think that this is the year well just like last year they're gonna have to lean on this offense to get them going this offense is going to have to lead the chart so I'm kind of agreeing with you but I'm agreeing with you uh, a little bit differently, I think that they need to cause turnovers. Turnovers will will win you ball games. You can give up a bunch of yards, don't give a bunch of touchdowns. You can have them move the ball from in between the twenties, twenty to twenty. Move the football. When you get into the red zone, you hold them to field goals and you cause turnovers. I think that's how they turn this thing around. Yeah, the one th- the one thing that the positive last year we were just so dead last in everything in passing you know, yards, yards per play, all that stuff. We're twentieth in yards per pass right now, and we have not played well. So, again, we don't have to be dramatic. We need to be around 15th. I think our offense is so explosive. We just need to be good. I don't think we have to be great on defense. I would like the last four games of the year 
we turn it on to be great. And so, again, I'm going to go back to last year. Yeah. Let's break this out over four-game segments. After this four, we've got to be better the next four. We've got to be better the next four. And we've got to finish strong the last Be better five. against the run as well. We've got to finish the last five because we've got 17 <laughs> games. Better against the run, too. Yes. And so, yeah. So, I'm going to throw one at you here. All I right. go, we're one and two. Mm-hmm. I'm a little, you know, I, I thought we'd be three and oh. I really did. I, mainly because I thought we'd beat Indy. Um, Tennessee coming into our home park, I, and we should have won that game. And then obviously Minnesota. I, I just thought for sure we'd be three and zero going against San Francisco. And then a, a week from today we got uh, the Rams. Seventeen game schedule. We all gave our predictions at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I had somewhere twelve, thirteen. I can't remember now. Do you think the Seahawks will put twelve wins on the board this year? I believe my prediction was 11 wins, and okay. I think you guys jumped on me for that. So I'm going to stick with it. I still think 11 wins is where they're going to end up. You mentioned they got to play the 49ers this week. This is a huge game this week. Biggest week four game I've ever covered um, when it comes to the Seahawks. They still have to play the Rams twice. They got to get me against the Jaguars, hopefully. The Cardinals are looking good. They got to get me against Houston, hopefully. They go to Detroit, Chicago Bears. I'm just going to stick. You know, I'm going to stick to what I said at the beginning of the season and say, look, these guys are going to go 11 and 6. Got to do math now. It's a 17-game season. Six. Yeah, 11 and 6, Four man. more losses. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get to 12. And and the reason why it's we're not playing well defensively, I don't think it's going to flip immediately. We've got 49ers, Rams. We have a very tough schedule. I think I read we have the toughest schedule the rest of the year on the way the teams are right now. Last year we were 5-0 and and weren't playing well defensively. This year we're 1-2 and not playing well. So that, just that alone, it, it's going to be tough to get to 12. Let me tell you what, 11 may not get you into the playoffs of this mm. year. You know, in the past it always did. Yeah. But now with 17 games, look at our division. I mean, we got the Rams who are undefeated. You got the Cardinals undefeated. You got the 49ers who are two and one. Um, I'm going to go with 11 wins too, and it's mainly just the way they're playing right now and the, the, the schedule ahead of us. Yep, 11 and 11. Okay, will Richard Sherman be an impact player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Moyer? I don't think he'll be a, an impact player. But I think he can have an impact on that team. Oh, wordplay. Yeah, and partly is, you know, he's just coming off too many injuries. Um, they're they're not playing well defensively, and they need some help, obviously, in the secondary is why they brought him in. But I think what he can do, and the reason why I would have loved to have had him on our team is just show people how to jam. He's the best jam corner I've ever seen at staying patient and getting a hand in a chest. And if you take a, either a wide or a shallow release on him where he couldn't get you, he was so good at cutting that off. And if, so if you tried to run a crossing route, he was great at undercut. He's just so smart. So I think this impact isn't going to be in his play. I think it's going to be in teaching these guys how to read pattern recognition, uh, patterns, how to jam, how to be patient. And uh, so he'll have an impact. It's just not going to be in his play. All right. We're agreeing too much because I think – Richard Sherman is going to have an impact. You know why? Because he's in Florida. You go to Florida to retire. Gronk resurrected his career. Tom Brady's there. It seems like this Buccaneers organization needs this veteran-type feel and leadership there. And it works. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Bruce Aarons is doing when it comes to practice. I don't know what's in the water over there. But guys go there late in their careers, and something's happening down in Tampa Bay. And I'm with you. He's going to teach these youngsters how to be pros. There's little things you can do 
as a veteran once that twitch starts to go. And it's the mental, it's the preparation, it's the approach to the games. He's going to bring that to the table, and he's in Florida. Everyone goes down to Florida to retire. You see what it's done for Gronk and Tom Brady. What are you saying? He's going to retire? He's going to retire. Hey, this Tampa is Tampa Bay is a retire place, th- th- too. This is it for sure. This if is was- his last stop. Yeah, I think so. Do you want a quick one, or you want one that's a little longer? Quick. You want quick. All right, so you mentioned that we need turnovers to win. Yep. We've had no interceptions. None. Jimmy Garoppolo this week. Okay. We finally get our first pick this week. It's going down. First pick one? this week. And I, I'm going to tell you who it is, too. I was going to say, secondary linebackers who? It's Quandre. Is it? It's Quandre Diggs. Led the team in picks last year. He's always around the football. If there is someone who can recognize concepts on that back end, I trust Diggs more than anybody over there. Who do you, What you got? Yeah, I think we're going to get when we've got to. I, I just, I'd like, we had Robert Kandichi on earlier. You sometimes we're on the outside, right? We go, man, they're probably just moping around right now. They probably just, you know, what what do we do? Man, that's not how he felt at all. No, man, we're all. ready. We're fired up. We know what we did wrong. We know what they do. This is a good matchup. 49ers aren't playing great. They don't have any running backs. They're going to have to throw it, I believe. Hopefully we get that lead and force them to throw it. We know what do you, what do you do with Jimmy? What do you take away? Take away from the num everything from the numbers in. Okay? Let him throw outside the numbers. But you know how we're going to get one? How? One of our linebackers. Okay. I'm going with Jordan Brooks today. Okay. And here's why. They, they've seen three three weeks of film. They know he's not in some of these, both, all of our linebackers. going to be a linebacker. They're going to teach the linebackers to set him up for the in route, the slant route. To This is the week. All right. And then, then we're going to start seeing a little turnaround. All right. So we're getting one. I'm with you. I hope, I hope we're both right. Honestly, I hope we're both right. I hope both those guys get picks. That'll be awesome. We, we agreed way too much. We today. did. This is the first time I think we've been I don't ever want to see that again. I don't like it. I don't like it I blame at all. this on NASA. <laughs> all right. When we return, we're going to the film room. We'll break down Chris Carson's 30-yard touchdown. A touchdown from Adam Thielen. Also, a strip sack from Daryl Taylor. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I am Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. This is the segment where we go into the film room. Paul and I love watching film, man. It's uh, it's intriguing. It answers a lot of questions, and it poses a lot of questions at the same time. And this first play we're going to look at is a 30-yard touchdown by Chris Carson. It's second and seven. They're on the Minnesota 30. Ball at the 30 of the Vikings. Going to turn the hand to Carson. Big hole. Down to the 20. Down to the 15. 10. 5. Carson's in. Touchdown. Seahawks. Chris Carson into the tunnel. He may be heading to St. Paul. What a run by Carson. 30 yards for a touchdown. The Seahawks on top now, 16-7. to All right, Moore, this play right here is exactly what we expected from the Seahawks when they signed Shane Waldron to be their offensive coordinator. We want to see some zone. This is nothing but an outside zone right here, and I think what makes this play go is Dwayne Brown. Man, he really controls that nine-tech, that stand-up rush there, number 49. Uh, he rushes and takes a wide angle, which really plays right into, into this whole scheme right here. Dwayne Brown goes, oh, you want to go wide? I'm going to take you wide. I like the way he controls his block, puts his right hand, and really shoves him to his left. Now, everyone else is working for the combo. You got your right guard that's going to double down on the nose. He's going to try to get up to that linebacker. Um, but it's all about flow and getting bodies on bodies. Now, the Vikings have numbers in the box. There's going to be a guy or two that is free. But when you can control the line of scrimmage the way Dwayne Brown does, kick out that nine technique, open up that lane for Chris Carson, 
The rest is history. And then receivers. We got DK Metcalf blocking on the third level. You don't need to blow guys up there. You just need to occupy people. That's exactly what happens. I believe that's Peterson that uh, DK is blocking, does just enough. And Chris Carson showed a burst that we just haven't seen in a while. I don't know that if uh, he hasn't had the opportunity to or not, but I haven't seen a burst in a while. Outside zone, this is a staple in this offense. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Brown, no question, the, the kick out, or as you said, ride the guy where he wants to go out wide. I thought Damian Lewis on this was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's a left guard, and, you know, the, the tackle, the number 91, I think it was, was it Weatherly or whatever his name was, um, he's sitting outside of him. So Damian has to get off the ball quick, and he does, and he hooks him. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard play to do. I mean, yeah. defense attacks are thought never to get hooked. Next case he did, and then we get the kick out. We get the great block by DK. The bummer is, I, I think Chris got one or two more carries after mm-hmm. this. I mean, when we're running it, we're running it pretty well. The man is averaging four point nine yards per carry, so the running game has a chance. <laughs> is all I'm saying. They have a chance. They were down in the second half. I think that's why we didn't see much of him. But you can't go away from the run, right? Tennessee was down double digits. I'm not look. I'm not, I never question. I really I don't question play calling. I I think it is the most overrated thing in the world. I call it. You go execute it as a player. Yeah. I don't care if I call it ten times in a row. Get it done. Get it so done. I I don't ever question play calling. All right. Next play. Kirk Cousins finds Adam Thielen for a 15 yard touchdown on third and 13. Cousins from the shotgun looks fires to the back of the end zone. Ball is caught. Touchdown Vikings. A late flag comes in, going to be a helmet-to-helmet, I think. Adam Thielen with the touchdown from 15 yards out. Thielen, who's been really quiet so far in the game today, but he is a big target, and that time he catches the touchdown pass on the goal line, and the Vikings now 17-13 with the Seahawks on top. I could spend an hour on this play. (laughs) There's so many coaching points on it. Um, First of all, the Seahawks rush five. And so we're playing a bit of a hybrid and that we're rushing five, but we're playing zone behind it. That means we've only got three underneath. We're playing three deep zones, so the corners are at their deep third. We've got digs in the middle of the field. And then you've got, I believe, the nickel and um, Bobby Wagner, uh, and I can't remember. Uh, now. Oh, and I think Brooks uh, playing the, let's just say, hook the middle uh, in a situation. They're supposed to zone off, kind of play like quarters. It's kind of what you're taught. You, you crowd the three inside receivers when they, they come out. But as they get downfield, you let them go. Yeah. In this case, you know, we, we, dropped, we, we did drop coverage. We rode with the number two receiver too long on the side that they throw this touchdown on. Reed, you know, his technique's bad. You know, he's, he stands up. He's a little late in his back pedal, and he's not in good position. He gets on his heels. So when he makes just that little stem outside talking about Thielen and then breaks it back to the post and what I would call really a seam, you throw this so that the safety, the, the free safety, can't make a play on it. And that's what they did. They, they, but the reason why this is there's hope for the Seahawks and that this is third and 13 and we play this really poorly in so many areas. Now, the linebackers play, or the nickel, the linebackers, we, we drop the, a crossing route. Reed's not in, his technique's not very good. Um, Jamal Adams, who's blitzing, runs into one of our guys, so he doesn't get a free uh, rush at the quarterback. So, to me, look, we can clean this up. I, I don't love this coverage down here. Um, but if they executed it properly, and actually all three of the linebackers and nickel dropped and protected the seam in the middle, 
And with us blitzing, we probably get off the field. So this is the part where they just keep saying, we got to clean up. we got to clean up. And they do. I mean, they've got to get better. But to me, there's that hope that this is just we just we can play better than this. Yeah, I'll give Thielen some love. He did a good job of widening um, Reed. He knew that, look, I'm going to go inside here. I'm going to line up in a tight formation. I'm going to widen Reed. Not a great route. Nothing too special about it. But um, Thielen just has a knack for scoring touchdowns, man. I believe he has four for the year right now. But if I'm sitting outside you, okay, so a three-deep zone. Let me tell you the weakness of a three-deep zone. It's the seam route, yep. right? Because I'm playing outside technique as the corner. <clears throat> you're taught in a three-deep zone as you carry seams if you're a linebacker or a safety. And we it looks like our nickel is starting to carry that seam, but the, he turns it into a post. you got to let that go. Yep. And you're playing a zone, too, but it looks like it's more man-to-man. So the, the weakness of a 3D zone, you got to carry seams because the safety can't get there in time. The corner can't get there to help. Uh, in this case, again, all he did is he widened or tried to widen Reed, who's already sitting outside, and he's got no help in, in really inside there. So if you're a wide receiver and a quarterback, and I'm sitting outside technique, pretty easy throw. Yep. You know, so it's, it, we, we can be better. We can do better. All right, next play. Daryl Taylor strips, sacks Kirk Cousins on third and 11. Third down and 11. Cousins looks outside. Ball is on the ground, stripped away. Cousins has to fall on it. And it was Daryl Taylor who reaches out on the pass rush as Cousins tried to get away from the rush. Nice job by the Seahawks defense. Taylor strips it away, but Cousins gets it back, and the Vikings will be forced to try a field goal with a loss of 10 on the play. Man, this is so good. Man. <laughs> First, you know, so Taylor, I'll just comment real quick on this. Taylor's on our right side. The offense is left. He's in a, a two-point stance, but he's in a sprinter two-point stance. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have his hand on the ground. His speed rush is that's, that's as good as you can get. And he's beating the left tackle. He gets around the edge. Cousins kind of feels it and still tries to step up and escape out to his left, and Taylor reaches out and strips the football. That is such an athletic play. What I like, you know, what frustrated me a little bit was that I saw a lot of times when Reed was in a three-point stance. I don't think he's at his best in a three-point. You got to allow this young man to get in that stance you're talking about. Taylor? Yes, Taylor, sorry. Um, Taylor, I don't like him in in a three-point stance. There's a lot of times I guess you have to put him in or it's – schematically you're supposed to do it because they have a double tight over there, the overload aside. I get it. You got to set an edge. Maybe you're stronger in a three-point. But I like when he's in a two-point and he can speed rush and use that youth. And what he does, he fires out the football and he does his little shimmy the second like week in a row. come inside. Yeah, he does that shimmy. Boom, gets that tackle off balance, and now it's just speed and strength. All you need to do is get a paw on Kirk Cousins. He gets the ball away from him. This is when – Daryl Taylor is at his best. I love him in a two-point stance. Yeah, but and our right tackle there had a great rush too. And what I like is they they took the our so our defensive tackle rushed inside of their guard. And so why is that important? Because it gives Taylor space. He can go either beat him on a speed rush outside or he does this little shimmy you talked about. He can actually come inside if the guy gets too wide. And that's because there's no guard there to to chip him along the way. So I like that. Look, I think our pass rush is there. We just got to tighten things up in the secondary so the quarterback has to pull it down. That's what happened here. The quarterback, look, he had to pull it down just for a second. He tried to escape. Taylor gets a sack and strip fumble. 
It's beautiful when it all comes together. If you can get Taylor Taylor going that defensive line, the backers dropping into the zones they're supposed to, corners keeping leverage, they're going to be all right. But we shall see this week. Okay, when we return, we'll go around the NFL. Man, Mina Kimes goes in on the Seahawks. Is there a QB battle in San Fran? Head coach is not having that. And was LeBron James almost a Seahawk? All that next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus hanging out with Paul Moyer. Now it's time to go around the NFL. Now there's a resident analyst called, or called, her name is Mina <laughs> Kimes. Uh, great analyst, but she went in on the Seahawks defense. Let's hear it. Do got any little crow, Stephen? I will say I was too optimistic about Seattle. I will say that. Um, the defense has been worse than I thought. I don't blame the offense for much. They have had some second-half implosions. Yeah, game script has really messed with them on offense. The defense has been an abject disaster, frankly. And uh, you've seen the meltdown now twice. I think we realize now that the Colts offense is just simply not good at all. Uh, they can't cover major issues in the secondary. It's a simplistic scheme. And if this team wants to compete for a wild-card spot, I do not think they have a chance at winning the division right now, given how the Rams are playing. They got to get something fixed on defense. They got to get more of a pass rush. So they do have serious issues. As uh, my buddy Paul Moyer once said, she ain't lying. <laughs> she ain't lying. Uh, um, well, here's what she is doing, though. She's, she's, um, it's three games, and she's looking at statistics, right? So she goes, we, they got to get a pass rush. Our, our pass rush is fine, you guys. We we got to tighten up pass defense and give those guys a chance to to do it. But you know, again, after three games, what she's looking at statistically, what she's saying is, if she's on ESPN trying to make a, a story, she's she's accurate. I mean, look, we're we're two games behind the Rams who are playing great uh, de- defensively. It, it's supposed to be better. It hasn't been obviously the first three games. So I think what she had to say is, you know, I'm. I'm not uh, arguing with her, but I am saying that she's taken way too big of a, a you know, 30,000-foot view looking at statistics and not actually looking at the game. I don't know. I think she has a point. I well, think I don't think she has a point at all on the pass rush. I, well, it's, I look at the pass rush, and last game we had one sack, right? Two, two or three quarterback hits. That pass rush didn't force Cousins to, do, to make any mistakes. 30 or 38, three touchdowns. There was a one pass that this pass rush forced, and we were like, oh, man. Oh, that was a close one. We looked at that strip sack by Daryl Taylor, but other than that, I can't think of any play where Kirk Cousins looked flustered and made a poor decision. All right, so let me ask you this. Do you think he was back there just patting the ball? So that that 30, what was his statistics again? 30, you just threw out their cousin, whatever his, his number. Uh, 30 for 38. You think that's because of the pass rush? I think it's all connected. Yeah, I, I just again, I I don't think it's because of the. Pass I remember rush. there's, a, I remember, you know, I remember on there was a fourth down play that he completed where they brought the house, and he stood there, he threw the ball, he got hit. Honestly, and I, you know, we watched the games. You watched the game. You re, you remember watching that game and thinking, okay, Cousins is back there working. Of course, he's gonna have to move in the pocket. That's what quarterbacks have to do, right? But I'm not saying this pass rush is horrible, but I'm saying that last game, I don't think Kirk Cousins was uncomfortable. No, again, I, I think the ball's coming out. There's a lot of hitch routes. Um, again, Flowers, you know, seven catches for 78 yards. 
that that's not why we lost. Yeah. You know, those are those are hitch routes. You know, if we're the, to me, it's part of the defense we're playing. And this goes back to last year. I said you have to help this line out. You've got to play tight. You've got to take away their primary throw, and that's pattern recognition. That's playing things tighter, even if it's zone. It's matchup zone. If we're just going to spot drop the twenties, they're going to ping, ping, ping us all day long. Plus, how many screens did they run on us? Lots. They're going to complete screens. So when you look at his yard, I look at the yard, Seahawks yards per attempt passing defensively. I mean, again, we're twentieth. We're like seven point eight, seven point nine. It's it's not atrocious. So to me, you tighten that up, you give now our guys a chance to get there because I think our pass rush is good and will be good. So that's all I'm saying. So it's, be my only argument. Yeah. So what you're saying is, be my only because argument. of the coverage. They're able to get the football out quickly. Therefore, there is no pass rush because doesn't matter. He's not going do. back and passing. I mean, if the ball's coming out one eight, you know, two, I, that's pretty tough to get yeah. pressure. Makes sense. All right, Kyle Shanahan has been consistent, and once again, makes it clear that there is no quarterback battle in San Fran. There's not a quarterback battle right now. I mean, we're going with our starting quarterback, who I think is playing very well. Um, happy that he is, so Trey is not thrown into any situations he has to do too early. Um, if he ever is thrown into that, then I know Trey will deal with that and he'll get better as it goes, but it's not, we have a luxury where we don't have to do that yet to Trey or to our team, so uh, hopefully we won't have to. He's pretty much saying Jimmy is their guy, and then he doubles downs on that. As Trey's our backup quarterback, I mean, this isn't the preseason. We're not just going back and forth all the time. I mean, Trey goes in for specific plays or things we want to do. Trey's Week in and week out, he's. I mean, he gets better each week. The more reps he gets on scout team and stuff like that. But um, there's not a big decision going into that each week. Or if we put in a game plan for a starting quarterback, um, the backup needs to be able to do all of that if he gets hurt. And what's cool about Trey is because of his different skill set, we always keep him alive with a couple plays on situations. He sounds annoyed, but he shouldn't be. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing, but he shouldn't be. You guys traded up to get the third pick in the draft. Gave a ransom for it. And so you're always going to have those questions because you traded up for it. Um, so they shouldn't be perturbed or frustrated with that question. It's, it's going to happen. But I think there's a point where you go, look, Jimmy's our guy. Yeah. We are going to sit Trey all year. Trey not playing. He'll play some specialty. Trey's not ready. No. Trey's, what, 20, 21 years old. He didn't play last year. He hadn't played enough football. Trey's going to be pretty good. I mean, we, we see that skill set. But there's more than just a good arm and athletic ability to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And right now he's learning. He's going to sit for this year, probably not next year, but maybe. You know, I, And Jimmy is more than capable. They have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl or winning the division or making the playoffs with Jimmy than they do Trey. And it's not like they're in a life-or-death situation right now. Shanahan's got some time. They got some young talent. They got Debo. They got Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle ain't going nowhere. They got time. They don't have to force. It's not like they're in Chicago where uh, Shanahan is playing for his job right now. Like, Nagy is coaching for his job right now. That's not the situation in San Francisco. The only reason why I want Trey Lance to start is because I predicted he'd be the starter by week four. I just want to be right. Yeah, I want Trey Lance to start because I think we have a better chance to beat them. <laughs> I do. I'll play a rookie quarterback all day. Be very happy about it. Yep. All right, no controversy in San Fran. Mina Kimes goes in on the Seahawks. Moyer believes the pass rush is okay. When we come back, we'll put a bow on this thing. Show recap, final thoughts right here on Hawks Live.
Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9. We're close to the end of the show, man. We are. I get a little shout out. My my nephew got married this past weekend, nice. Eric and Aaron. Congratulations. That was awesome. And my mother, who wasn't there, she's listening right now. She says I I yell on this show. Do you? So I just want to make sure I didn't yell today. So What's I'll, up, Mom? Just want to make sure she's listening. All right, well, the Hawks are looking to bounce back, right? Lost 30-17 to 17 to the Vikings. There are some things they need to fix. Uh, Morris says the pass rush is fine. They need to fit more on the back end. Offensively, they need to come out hot, get a lead, and keep a lead. I think that's been the knock for the Seahawks when it comes to offense. You can focus on the defense and giving up these yards, not good against the run, not good against the pass. Offensively, get a lead, keep a lead. 171 times they've had double digits. Uh, leads and 10 times they've lost two have been this year they need to fix that they do um defensively look this can be a tough game it's a tough running game you know they got those fly sweets with samuel louis i think he's only had four of those so far this year which kind of surprises me you got the best tight end in the game i believe again kelsey yeah. is is awfully good but kittle is that guy that will hurt you you know, you you got to man. You can put big boy pads, and you also have your little boy pads because you got to cover them too. <laughs> so you got to you got to have both. But here's the one thing we must do, and we are going to be better. When you hit rock bottom, to me, we hit rock bottom quickly on defense. You 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 start building back up, and you you correct those things. We got to make teams one dimensional. We're not doing that right now. They're running it and throwing it, and so we got bottom line. We got to take away the run. I mean, we got to find a way to stop it. And, you know, hopefully we play some tight defense behind it. We know Jimmy Garoppolo so well, we should know where he's going to throw the football. So, to me, it's definitely the running game, stop it. Kittle, got to keep an eye on him at all times. Yeah. And, you know, look, just go play football, man. You guys have been doing this since you've been in youth football. You guys know how to play. we got a ton of talent. This isn't rocket science stuff out there. Uh, so, just, just let it loose and go play. And I think last year that's what they finally ended up doing we got too many good players. Too many. Yeah. Stop the run. you got a rookie running back, Trey Sermon, back there. Scored his first touchdown last week as a professional. But it seems like whoever the Niners put back there, eventually they get going. It would be nice to take advantage of that youth that they have out there. And you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you, you said it a couple segments ago. He likes to throw the ball in between the numbers. A big reason for that is Debo Samuel, one of the best receivers in the league right now. I think he leads the league in receiving yards, 334 yards. One touchdown. You have to wrap this guy up because they're going to throw screens to him. They're going to run that jet sweep, throw screens to him. We've seen how the Hawks have played the screens, not the best against the screens. No. I mean, Minnesota ran them, you know, early and often. And, you know, screens are tough against the zone. You're, you're dropping deep, and then all of a sudden you get these linemen that, you know, get out in front. It, it's tough. I mean, screens used to scare me to death as a coach because, you know, I'm. I'd rather be in a man-to-man situation with a, a robber. I used to play a lot what I call a cover 11, where we played manned up, had a guy freed up in the middle to take away crossing routes and mm-hmm. slants. And so screens is great because you can attack that before the lineman can get to you. Um, we've got to play him better. Though. We've got to recognize him better. And yeah. that's the fundamentals, too. When we're in a zone, all of a sudden we turn our back to the football. Not good. Zone, keep your eye on the quarterback, feel the receiver, but get some depth, squeeze people, and then start reacting to those things. So it's going to be a tough game. It's a 49ers, right? It's on the road. Uh, they're a nemesis of ours. The good news is they're not playing well either. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they beat 
Detroit by eight. They uh, beat uh, what was their next one by um, by six? Eagles, Eagles. seventeen to eleven. Seventeen to eleven. And last week, you know, they lose a heartbreaker to Green Bay. So they're not playing great. They're not a dominant defense, even though they got Nick Bosa and Arms. They got some players now, but their secondary is really beat up. So I, I think offensively, we should have our way with them. I want to see – one, I want to see how Tyler Locke is doing, right? His knee got twisted up last week. I he wanna, came back and played. Yeah, he came back and played. But you know how that goes, man. You come back, yeah. your adrenaline's gone, and then you, you're sore throughout the week. What do we know uh, on that, NASA? Do we know anything? Well, what we do know is even though it looked like it was his knee, he's on the injury report for a hip. Hip? Really? So I know, well, honestly, after his recovery, I mean, his, his legs and bones are like jello, man, because yeah. the rest of us would have torn everything up <laughs> in that knee. But it went down as his hip, but he was a limited participant in, actually, he did not practice today with the hip, but I think he's going to be fine. Pete seemed optimistic about him, so not worried about him. The guys you want to worry about is Brandon Shell, who didn't practice on Thursday, as well as Rashad Penny. Um, Dwayne Estridge was a limited participant in practice, so that's a good sign, and everyone else should be good to go. Protection's been pretty good for us, you know, even without uh, Shell last week. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty good about our offensive line. Now that Damian Lewis is healthy, he looked good last week. You know, the offense really hasn't been the problem. You know, I mean, I we may need to score 40 at times until <laughs> we get it done, but I think uh, 30 is the magic number until our defense really starts to feel good about themselves. Yeah, and I think this week the message had to be on defense Let's just all be on the same page. Because there are times where we look and it's like, this guy looks like he's a man. These other guys are in zone. And that just comes down to communication and understanding. So I hope Tell the Truth Monday was, was one of those good ones. You know, where, you know, last year what they do, everyone stood up. They talked about their responsibilities and really put it out there for everyone to know and hear. And then the next week they bounce back. That's why I'm optimistic because we've seen these guys do it before, right? We've seen them play horribly on defense and then come back and play good enough to win ball games. And you should lean on this offense. You should lean on future Hall of Famer. You should lean on the best duo, one of the best duos in the NFL. You should lean on a running back who has, who's like seventh or eighth since 2008 when it comes to 100-yard rushing games, right? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, the, the offense is, is certainly clicking better right now. I, we, we were talking earlier, you know, if, if I've ever been in a situation where, you know, fingers were pointing and people were confused defensively and if maybe even questioned the scheme and, you know, coaches and what I'm supposed to do. And I never really had that except for one year. Um, and it was short lived. We'd come off 1984, you know, the historical year where we had forced like 63 turnovers, which is an, really an NFL modern day record, never be broken. Um, and then we go into 85, all the same guys. I mean, we're all veteran guys. We're, we're, we're picked to be the, we're the Super Bowl. A sexy pick that year because we came off a 12 and four year. We got Kurt Warner back, our running back. We had missed him the whole year. Defensively, we were unbelievable and we are struggling defensively. We're busting all over the place. And we had a complex defense back then. A lot of uh, three on two combos and, and really, you know, a lot of practice. So it was hard for, for quarterbacks. But now we're struggling. And I remember going into a meeting, just us DBs and the DB coach, and it was some yelling and, and you know, Gloves were coming off type thing, you know, point. But by the time we got out of it, we were hugging, you know, hey, we're going to get this right. It's no one person's fault. We got attention to detail. Coach, you know, here's the things we like. You know, maybe we're doing too much with all the motion. So I think they're going to get there because, again, when you have a terrible game like they had last week, you start building things. You start listening to the coaches on the finer details. And so 
I'm hoping that's the case this week. Yeah, I'm hoping it is too. I, and I think it's going to be, man. These guys are pros, and they've shown they can do it. This group has shown that they can do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic, man. I'm optimistic. Now I, I want to see, like I said, get a lead, keep a lead, and allow Chris Carson to be a factor throughout the whole game and not just the first half. I mean, I know it has to be frustrating for him to get into that second half and not get the rock, but as a professional, he probably understands, look, we're down X amount of points. I'm probably not going to touch the football. Let's go ahead and bring Travis Homer in and have him be the pass pro extraordinaire that he is. But 32 has to be a factor throughout this whole game. I th- the whole game. I-, I don't even care if we get behind. I- to me, we saw what Tennessee did to us. You know, If you just say, okay, I'm behind, I'm going to throw now, Man, that changes what I'm calling defensively. And I am coming after you with a bunch of the different exotic blitzes, and that's not what you want. So I'm going to ask you a quick question I asked John Clayton earlier. Okay. You hate to say must win, particularly in the fourth game. Must win this Must game. win. Must Th- win. This is a must win. This is intense. Like, I'm, I'm coming into this game more anxious than I usually am just because I'm always anxious on Sundays when we do our show. But this is a must win. You go down one Three. Three. You're two games behind at least everyone in your division and everyone else is balling, getting it done. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to climb out of this. Well, and then you got the Rams, you know, four days later on Thursday. Um, I, I agree. I, I don't like saying must wins. You can certainly climb your way out of it. I think this division is too tough to climb out of it. Um, I, I'm going to throw one out there, too. I think this is a must win because you've got to feel good about yourself when the Rams come in. you got to be two mm-hmm. and two with the – a chance to strike on them, be a game back, maybe tied if they lose this mm-hmm. week. So, yeah, it's huge. I, I use huge. It's a huge game. Huge. This is big. It's it's as big as the Mariners the next three weeks. Let's or go. the next three games. All right, let's have a great weekend. Let's the Mariners make the playoffs. Seahawks win. Get ready for Thursday night football against the Rams. Well, here's what I'm going to leave everyone with, okay, before we get out. Optimism. You want something to feel good about, Seahawks fans? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you what to feel good about. So, if you've been with us the whole show, Paul was looking for a stat in the first segment. I corrected him about the one and two record thing. Um, he talked about who puts the show sheet together and whatnot. <laughs> I'm looking back at the notes from the first segment. What you were looking for, Paul, and this is why everyone needs to feel good. Russell Wilson, since he's been in Seattle, has never, never lost three games in a row. Boom. Never. The only time the Seahawks have started one and three was in last time, at least, was in 2011. Uh, before Russ got here. So if you want something to feel good about, Russell Wilson has never lost three games in a row, and it's not going to start on Sunday. And once the game starts, we don't bring that up. That's like saying a guy in the ninth inning has got a no-hitter going. We just we talk about it now. Once the game starts, we don't have to bring that up again. Okay. Just Can we talk it. about it pregame? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. just, but once the game starts. There it is. Hmm. Russ has never lost three in a row. It's not going down this weekend, man. Let's get out of here. Special thanks to Nick Wagner, Robert Kandichi, and John Clayton for joining the show our board operator, Brady Robick, our executive producer, Nasser Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.